Have you ever said something you regretted? Oh, I'm sure you have. We all have. We'd want to take it back, but we can't. We'd like to say, judge, strike that from the record, or please have the jury disregard that last statement, but we can't take it back. Our speech is so important. With that same mouth, we bless God and we curse men who have been made in his image. And James says, this is not the way things should be. Well, how should they be, James? And how do I fix it? How do I get better with my speech? Well, we'll look at that more and learn the lessons we need to learn today on Walk in Truth. Welcome to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance. Walk in Truth is a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. God says, through James, many of you should not become teachers, my brethren, because teachers shall incur the stricter judgment. Here's the deal. The main tool of my ministry is right here. It's my mouth. And with the many words that I speak personally, there are many opportunities to stumble. I do not think that James is dissuading young up-and-coming preachers because the book of 1 Timothy says, he who desires to be an elder... It's a beautiful thing that he desires. But James is saying, measure your motivation. Measure whether or not you want to enter the ministry for the limelight and the notoriety or because you truly want to lead people to Christ, whether you speak to 5, to 50, to 500, to 5,000 or 50,000, it doesn't really matter. What matters is that you are faithful, a faithful steward of the gospel. It is required of a steward that he be found faithful. The judgment that James speaks of is a scrutiny by the Lord. He is going to measure what we said and the impact of our words. Our words can bring the hope of the gospel, the whole counsel of God to people, or our words can be deceptive. And many a man over the centuries has entered the ministry and been a deceiver, used words to Maybe water down the gospel or lead people astray. And I'll just say, if you are doing that, stop. Because there is going to be a judgment and the Lord of the church is going to assess your work. There is a grave responsibility and a great responsibility. I see it as a privilege to preach God's word, but it is not to be taken lightly. And it is not to be entered in with the wrong motive. There's going to be a greater degree of judgment for teachers on that day. You could say at the Bema seat of Jesus Christ. Teachers have great influence on a great number of people. But if they represent God and are they represent God and are to speak forth the truth, if they are in it for the wrong reasons, they can stumble many. Thus the great impact of our words. Look at verse 2. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. NIV says, able to keep his whole body in check. Now, we all have stumbled in many ways. We're all here because this is a hospital for sinners, right? We're all a work in progress. This sermon is not about whether or not you're not going to make a, a mistake with your mouth from this day forward. You are. But hopefully those mistakes are going to be few and far between. Hopefully what's happening to you is God has gotten a hold of your tongue as he's gotten a hold of your heart. 
And that's the essence of it. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. We have all had our moments in a heated uh, exchange with a loved one, in a moment of weakness. We've all made mistakes and we, we will continue to do so. There's no perfect people. But if there are anybody perfect here this morning, I'd like to give you the opportunity to stand at this moment and come up here and preach the rest of this sermon. Anybody? Okay, I didn't think so. Um, some, a pastor from years gone by said, uh, Does anybody, has anybody ever met a perfect man? And one man, to his surprise, rose up in the congregation. And he said, yes, I have. My spouse's first husband. <laughs> Every time I hear about him, I hear he was perfect. Anyway. There are no perfect people. We all know. How many of you can say I've stumbled over my tongue many, many times? And just when I think I've got it down and I've arrived as a Christian, then I say something silly, something hurtful. Sometimes we're shocked at what can actually come out of our mouth even after we've become Christians. Psalm 37, 30 says, The mouth of the righteous utters wisdom and his tongue speaks justice. Warren Wiersbe tells of the story, tells the story of a pastor friend who told him of a woman in his congregation who was a terrible gossip. One day she said to him, Pastor, the Lord has convicted me of my sin of gossip. My tongue is getting me and others into trouble. When he guardedly asked, well, what do you, what do you plan to do about it? She replied, I want to put my tongue on the altar. Because she said, uh, she had said the same thing so many times to this pastor, he told her, there isn't an altar big enough. Ooh, I know all God's people said, ouch. Now, verse three, if we put the bits into the horse's mouths so that they may obey us, we direct their entire body as well. Now, James is a, he's a meticulous, uh, incredible user of images. And the first image is of a horse. Now, I've never really been into riding horses. Some of you from Norco are. And uh, you know more about the bit than I do. But with the little bit, I understand it goes on the tongue, and which is interesting, and it controls the animal. So you could have a huge 1,500-pound animal, and you can move the animal in the direction that you want it to go with a little bit on its mouth. I said, Psalm 39, 1, I will guard my ways that I may not sin with my tongue. I will guard my mouth as with a muzzle while the wicked are in my presence. Sometimes we just have to say, Lord, keep me quiet right now because there's so much I want to say. Words are forming in the back of my mind right now. Help. Ever been there before? Help them not to escape since my tongue is caged behind my teeth for a reason, and since it is slippery back there, sometimes it just slips out. <laughs> Lord, lock the cage. Help me. And like a horse, we can direct our tongue, and we can say something like this, Whoa, Wilbur. Whoa. Right? Pull the reins back. You want to say something dumb, but how many times that word or that sentence has gotten you in trouble? It's not been good. It's taken you off the edge of the cliff. 
Can I give you the image? Whoa. Just stop it. Once when Dr. Pearson was in George Mueller's study, he took a glance into his Bible. He was leafing through it and he came to Psalm 37, 23 that says, the steps of a good man are ordered by Jehovah. He noticed that George Mueller had written by the side of that verse in his margin and the stops. If our tongues know when to go and when to stop, then our whole bodies, our whole personalities will know when to move and when to stop. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and the stops of a good man and or woman are ordered by the Lord. Sometimes you just need to stop. If you don't say it, you won't get in trouble. And all God's people said, Amen. Mm-hmm. Psalm 141 verse 3 says, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. I was thinking that maybe a good application is every morning, some of you have gotten in the routine of putting on the armor of God. Some of you have gotten in the routine of saying, Lord, here I am. I present myself as a living sacrifice. I present my body. Would you now include your tongue? Maybe you should stick it out and say, ah, divine physician, give me the words. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing unto you today. Just today. I'm not going to worry about yesterday. I can't change it. If I need to ask for forgiveness, of course. I can't control tomorrow, but today my tongue is on the altar. And I think you might see that your life will change. The next image is a ship. Behold, the ships, or take ships as an example, NIV, verse 4. Though they are so great, they're very large, and are driven by strong winds, are still directed by a very small rudder. Wherever the inclination of the pilot desires or wherever the steersman wishes to take it, the NEB says. So the second image, from a horse to a ship. We have a small rudder, and it could be this incredible vessel. There's a thousand people on board, but the captain can steer the vessel with a little rudder and move this huge ship in a certain direction. And it mentions, notice in verse 4, in the midst of strong winds. May I suggest that it's in the times of strong blowing winds of difficulty, persecution, financial stress, health challenges, difficulty in relationships, in those strong winds where our tongues really reveal who we are. Amen? In the strong currents blowing your ship around, where do you steer it with your mouth? Where do you steer your family, brother? Do you say, let's pray? Do you speak words of faith and comfort to your spouse when maybe they're experiencing some doubts? To a friend, you're leading a company. It's been tough times. You get everybody together and you say, oh, there's power in this. Let's, I'm going to steer the vessel in this direction. Though the winds be blowing hard, here's where we're going, family. Here's where we're going, company. Here's where we're going, friend. Because the Lord has given me faith we have to be careful with our words, especially when storm winds blow. And this is, of course, connected to teachers and those with influence. We have to be careful what we say. There's a story of a woman who early one morning made a mad dash out, to the, out of the house when she heard the garbage truck pulling away. She was still in her bathrobe. She had her hair wrapped in big curlers. Her face was covered with sticky cream. She was wearing a chin strap and a beat up old pair of slippers. In short, she was a frightful picture. When she reached the sidewalk, she called out to the garbage.
Hey, listening family, this is Pastor Michael, and I want to tell you about the store at walkintruth.com. There's 27 products up at the store right now, ranging from things like the teaching on 666 from the book of Revelation, the seven seals from Revelation, Scientology, Jehovah's Witnesses, the anatomy of a fall, how to avoid falling from 2 Samuel, and even teaching on the occult. Most recently, an interview with Frank Sontag about the New Age movement and his personal testimony. Hey, when you go to the store and you purchase a product, you partner with us to reach more people like you. So go to the store, walkintruth.com, click on the store, purchase a product of interest, buy it for a friend, and when you do, you'll be partnering with us to reach more people for the cause of Christ. We love you. We appreciate you. You can also give donations there at walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. Click on that store and partner with us today. We appreciate it. God bless you. We'll talk to you soon. She was still in her bathrobe. She had her hair wrapped in big curlers. Her face was covered with sticky cream. She was wearing a chin strap and a beat up old pair of slippers. In short, she was a frightful picture. When she reached the sidewalk, she called out to the garbage man, am I too late for the garbage? Am I too late for the garbage? The reply came back, no, hop right in. (laughs) Now in moments where storm winds blow, we have decisions to make about words that we're going to use. How many of you have had someone write you an encouraging note, express a thought in a card at a critical moment, and it changed the whole trajectory of your life? One good word, maybe one Bible verse at a key moment, one rhema word in Ephesians. It talks about the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and it uses the, not logos, but rhema. It's a precise effective word in the moment to encourage someone or to share or defend yourself. So also in the same way, verse five, he's given us illustrations, horse, the bit, the ship, the rudder. In the same way, the tongue is a small part of the body, yet it boasts of great things. Behold how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. In Southern California, we know about fires, right? We have seasons where fires are epidemics and sometimes we'll turn on the news and there's fires burning in multiple locations and they often take it back to a singular moment where someone maybe flicked a cigarette or they didn't put out a campfire properly and then we've had some people who are arsonists and on purpose they will light something on fire and the damage is absolutely devastating. Acre upon acre, homes and lives are devastated and destroyed by wildfires, sometimes taken back just to a silly decision by one person. A spark causes a big fire. The Chicago fire started this way. At nine, uh, one Sunday evening, October 8th, 1871, poor Mrs. O'Leary, cow kicked over the lantern as she was being milked, starting the Great Chicago Fire, which blackened three and one and half miles of the city, destroyed over 17,000 buildings before it was checked by gunpowder explosions on the south line of the fire. The fire lasted two days and killed over 250 people. The Great Chicago Fire, a cow kicking over a lantern. And I think you all see the implication Angry words spoken in a moment. 
one little spark, one little word, and it catches something, and all of a sudden it begins to spread. It could be a rumor, it could be gossip, it could be hate speech, and all of a sudden it becomes a wildfire, and many people are devastated by one word, one spark. And yet, on the positive note, so many people can be helped by one encouraging word. Proverbs 16, 27 says, A worthless man digs up evil, while his words are a scorching fire. Proverbs 16, 27. You've all heard the idea of inflammatory statements, inflammatory, the flame, or sometimes we'll hear somebody tear somebody else down and we'll say, Ooh, he burned you. What a burn. Right? And what's that all about? It's about destroying others. Proverbs 17, 27 says, He who restrains his words has knowledge. He who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. And so the application is, when the flame is getting hot, cool it down, pour water on it. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you the living waters afresh so that you don't say something that's going to spark a fight or spark a wound. The tongue is a fire, verse 6. The very world of iniquity or injustice or moral wrongness the tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body. Some see a secondary reference to the church body and take it back to the teachers in verse 1. And sets on fire the course of our life. It sets the whole course of his life on fire, NIV. And it is set on fire, would you note it, Bible students, by Gehenna, by hell. The tongue is inspired by hell. Now we all know Satan is not literally in hell, but here Gehenna becomes a picture of Satan. He doesn't want to be in hell. Hell's the lake of fire. But hell is representative of Lucifer. It's representative of Satan. And often Satan is behind the speech that causes the spark. In fact, in the garden, he said, did God really say in the book of Job, we were in a Thursday Bible study and one of the guys that's been teaching the study, Todd, brought out that in the book of Job, when Job's wife says, curse God and die, and a lot of us have heard preachers say, thanks, honey, appreciate the encouragement. Curse God and die. Do you know that her words were actually what Satan wanted to do to Job? Satan said to God, you've had a hedge about this man. If you take the hedge down, he will what? Curse you to your face. Job's wife spoke Lucifer's words. Just curse God and die. Wow. And sadly, sometimes the words that come out of our mouth, take Peter right after the great confession. You are the Christ. And the next moment he says, this is never going to happen. You're not going to the cross, Lord. And Jesus says, get Behind me, Satan. Our tongue can become a tool for good, and sometimes it can be literally satanic. And of course, yeah, that's good. Thank you for that. I'd like to hear preach it, Pastor Michael. Preach it. Come on. Okay, all right, thanks. I just want to make sure I wasn't all alone up here. You see, the truth of the matter is that Satan, through doctrines of demons, through false teaching, through condemning words, 
that have often caused people to go to the edge, to lose their minds because of hurtful words. And sadly, and this is just reality, some people have, it's taken them right to the verge of suicide. It's hard. It corrupts the whole person. It defiles the entire body. And James says, this is not how things should be. Hell should have no place in the words that we speak. Satan, John 8, 44, Jesus called him the father of what? Lies. He's a liar. And so James says, every species of beasts and birds, verse 7, of reptiles, creatures of the sea, is tamed and has been tamed by the human race. God gave us uh, dominion, Genesis 1, 26. We have it over massive elephants. Think of the circus. We can train them to entertain lions and tigers and bears. Oh my, thank you. Killer whales. For some years ago, my lovely wife, Brenda, was, uh, what is it, SeaWorld? She was there when Shamu was around. And uh, he would come up out of the water and he would kiss somebody on the cheek. And so the, the person up there, you know, they picked Brenda because, of course, she's the most beautiful woman there. And they picked her. And uh, they said, okay, Shamu's going to come up and give you a kiss on the cheek. Just don't lean in. He'll come to you. So she said, she, she heard what he said, but she leaned in anyway. Shamu knocked my wife out. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> she didn't get knocked out. Just kidding. But, but he hit her a little harder than just a peck. That's a killer whale. See, mankind, we have dominion. It's one of the signs that the Bible is true. It's a minor evidence, but we have dominion over animals that should be able to destroy us. Why? Because God's given mankind a special privilege. And we've been able to tame species of beasts, birds, reptiles, creatures of the sea. There's even ancient pictographs of men riding dinosaurs back in the day. But no man, no one, anthropos, verse 8, means no male, no female, no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. The tongue seems to be untamable. And this is where we could all resonate with this. No man can tame the tongue, but God can. Do you believe that? And if I allowed a line of people to come up here, if we had the time, it would be a wonderful testimony for each of you to come up and say, this is what's happened to my language as a result of knowing Christ. This is what he's done. He's, he's turned cursing into beauty, cursing into blessing. I think we all understand that. We've all admitted that we have a ways to go. But there are people that when they speak, their tongue gives them away. They have the poison of asp under their lips. Romans 3, 13. Their mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Nothing good can come out. Proverbs 18, 21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Maybe you work with someone and, and they just have a filthy mouth and it's always innuendos and double entendres and, and you're like, man, and that's because garbage in. Garbage out. And God is taking the garbage out of our lives. He's trying to make us more like him. 
And James says, maybe going back to the, the setting of the assembly, which was the beginning of chapter 2, when a man walks into the church, he says, with this tongue, with this mouth, verse 9, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. We come into church on a Sunday morning. I know it's convicting, but here it is. James says it. And we bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. We glory in his name. And then we go out to lunch and we say something like this. Did you see what so-and-so was wearing today? <laughs> and that's just the tip of the iceberg. Hey, listening family, if you're new to Walk in Truth, my name is Michael Lance. I'm the senior pastor of Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona in Southern California. Hey, recently I've written a book called Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God. It shows you how to put on what God has provided so that you can stand strong in the spiritual battle and stand strong against temptation with the resources that God provides. This book is available at the store at walkintruth.com. Go to walkintruth.com, click on the store, click on the book. I'll get you a signed copy and your donation will help support Walk in Truth and help us reach out to more people. Again, the book is Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God, available at walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Pastor Michael would love to hear from you. You can write him when you visit walkintruth.com.